Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show where you'll learn to transform your heartbreak into happiness. I'm Sarah Davison and today my guest is Jason Vale. Now Jason is also known as the Juice Master. He's a man on a mission to juice the world. He is the best-selling author of over a dozen books on health, addiction and juicing. He's got 11 number one iOS and Android apps and the groundbreaking feature-length documentary, Super Juice Me. Now, I was very lucky to be invited to the red carpet premiere in London for Super Juice Me, and I highly recommend you check that film out. Jason's health retreats, Juicy Oasis and Juicy Mountain, provide a seven-day mind, body, and spiritual journey and have positively helped to change the lives of thousands of people, including me. But You don't have to take my word for it because it is always packed with celebrities too, including Gary Barlow, Beverly Knight, Ollie Murs, to name a few. For over 20 years, Jason has pioneered the world of juicing and he is blazing a trail and helping people around the world to take control of their health. Now, I know I'm biased as Jason is one of my favorite friends on the planet, having known him for over 25 years. But his juice recipes are the best I have ever tasted, and I'm a massive fan. Jason has had his fair share of ups and downs in life. Having been through a divorce himself, he's got experience of relationship breakdowns as well as successful relationships too. So let's welcome Jason. Jason. Well, there's an intro. I quite like that. I mean, you only said I've got the best juice recipes because it's true. Um, so, so I can, no, thank you. Thanks for, listen, thank you, Sarah, for having me on. This is, uh, we're normally chatting, obviously in different, uh, environments as in just, just on a friendship level. So this is now, um, your subject. This is the relationship, something that I've never spoken about on a podcast ever. So this I'm, will be interesting. Oh, I'm really excited because I know this is going to be lots of fun with you, JC. It always is. So before we get stuck into relationships, I think that as someone who's been through several breakups in my life, it's always helped. It's been a bit of a tonic to hear how other people have coped and gone from traumatic situations in their life or difficult times, tough times to coming through them and coming out the other side, like trauma to triumph, if you like. Now, I know right now I can see you on this and I can see that you are obviously extremely handsome and Adonis uh, of fitness uh, with uh, bags on. of energy. Flattery so will get you everywhere. Little- Flattery genuinely will get you everywhere, Sarah. <laughs> But I do know that a while back, many, many years ago, it wasn't always like this for you, was it? So I wonder whether you could just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, really quickly condensed. I was uh, covered in a skin disease called psoriasis. Uh, That is where the skin repairs itself four times faster than it should. It's an autoimmune disease, um, but effectively I had 90% coverage. So that was all over my face, all over my neck, all over my body. So that doesn't make you feel good, obviously. And then you're told there's no cure for it. That's something else. Uh, I was also badly asthmatic. So on top of being... Uh, very flaky, <laughs> but not in a not in a personality way. Um, but as well as being very flaky, uh, I also was um, I was a heavy smoker. I was a heavy drinker. I had bad asthma. I had bad eczema. Um, I was overweight. Um, you know, I was. I mean, background. You talk about traumatic times. There were really traumatic times, difficult times. I think most people had them anyway. Uh, I'm from a one parent family. For those that don't know, uh, there was just me and my mum. There's no brothers, no sisters, no. Um, uh, obviously no father, although my mom auditioned uh, for several. Um, <laughs> uh, and they lied. And the fuckers always lied at the audition to get the part, didn't they? Um, and then you suddenly realize that the Cindy Lauper moment comes in, doesn't it? I see your true colors shining through. I call it the Cindy Lauper moment of relationships. We'll get onto that in a minute. Um, I think so, a lot of my listeners can, listen, can relate to that one for sure. Absolutely. That's what we don't know. You don't know people when you first meet them. Everybody's on their best behavior. Anyway, we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, but of course, uh, so yeah, we, long story short, but it's hard to believe that my mum's sister kicked us. I, you can't even imagine. Sold the house, kept the money, uh, ran away with the money, even though they both put the same money into the house. Um, and we, we were on the streets. So it's hard to imagine that now. So we're literally living on the streets at the age of seven. Council will not house us, uh, genuinely wouldn't house, house me 
as long as they took me away from my mum. I mean, what thing to do to a single parent as well to say that? In other words, you you can no longer look after your child anymore. You're not capable. I mean, there's, there was no human more capable than my mother of mm. looking after anybody. She was the most remarkable human on planet Earth that there has ever been. I was the most blessed child. Uh, people say, oh, you had a rough upbringing. No, I did. I had my mum, right? End of story. You didn't, I did, right? So that's it. So she was, I was really blessed. So yeah, we didn't have any money. Yeah, there was no central heating, but then mo most houses didn't have central heating. Sounds good now, doesn't it? Oh, we had no central heating. That's like saying, oh, I grew up without the internet. Well, no one did, didn't exist. I mean, it's a stupid thing to say, right? So anyway, so we had no central heating. We had no but the thing was, is that I, I lived in a squat. You know, my mom found a squat. I had to go and live in Halifax in the north of England. We even emigrated to Africa, to Togoland, because my mom tried to get, it's long, I mean, God, this will take up the whole podcast, but uh, I went to school in Africa. Uh, 11 anyway then came back anyway long involved story but ended up obviously in peckham southeast london ended up in a very rough area ended up with the wrong people ended up smoking not only cigarettes 40 60 a day but also you know tons of marijuana also took all kinds of other drugs i was in peckham obviously uh, that's what happened in peckham people say oh they've really done it up now you can't polish your turd i'm not having it so anyway, but, but it was really rough, right? Say the least. I mean, to give you some example, I was mugged 14 times at knife point. I'll give you, uh, these wow. are just, which I've, uh, I've never actually told anybody in the public domain up until now, but anyway. Um, Exclusives. But, well, anyway, silly things like that. And you can probably guess what happened to one-eyed Gary. So, so <laughs> I mean, too, I'm not even joking, genuinely, one-eyed Gary. I mean, he, you don't say to somebody who's mugging you, no. And he said, no, you give me, you give me a pants, you give me a, I mean, it's a ridiculous thing. He went, he went, no. So they got an air gun and shot him in the eye. I mean, is it, I mean, so hence one-eyed Gary. I mean, is it really worth the five quid you hung on to to lose your eye, fella? Do you know what mm. I mean? It's not his fault either. I mean, obviously the guy's fault was the guy that had the freaking air rifle. Anyway, enough of all this, right? Because <laughs> what I'm saying is there was quite, so I did, obviously I then was drinking a hell of a, I would walk down the street with a can of uh, tenants, super. Those that don't know what that is, look it up. It's in a blue tin uh, and special <laughs> brew and Thunderbird was the drink, more alcohol for less money, hanging out of street corners as you did. I left school at 15, uh, no formal education at all, massively dyslexic. Um, I don't know why dyslexia is still a hard word to spell. They should change the word. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually spell everything phonetically. And even the word phonetic isn't phonetic, just to really wind me up. <laughs> My, how can you do that to humans? They went, here's a word phonetic. And do you know what we're going to do? We're not going to make it phonetic. Are you freaking having a laugh? Anyway, so... <laughs> So, uh, so I, anyway, so I, left school, I, I was doing tons of jobs. I was a painter and decorator. I, I worked down the markets, getting up at 3 a.m. to go and put up stool bars for 15 pounds a day. I worked as a butcher, which surprises people. I would leave Peckham to go all the way to North London, Belsize Park, to go and work in my uncle's butcher shop. Um, literally get there, leave at 5 a.m., get home at, you know, at 8 o'clock. I mean, literally morning till night. I mean, you try and just do anything to earn a little crust because my mom went into hospital with the cyst the size of an orange on one of her ovaries and somebody in King's College Hospital unfortunately had a bad day and they took out the wrong ovary, genuinely. Wow. Is, I know, it was a, it was a tough day. Um, she was angry with them, obviously, and, and all the rest of it, but they didn't deliberately do it. I'm not angry with that. No one goes into that profession deliberately take, they could have had a 12-hour day. They could have had, I don't, I genuinely don't. The older you get, you get, I think you just get a little bit more forgiving and understand humans a little bit more. That's all I would say. And then, so I had to leave school at 15 to look after my mum. That's why I left school at 15, because there was no one else to look after her. And she was in bed for two years uh, because they took out the wrong ovary. Then she went through, um, uh, she went, I'm not going to hospital again. So she started doing herbal remedies and juicing and various other things. And the cysts went and it was like, okay, well, there's something in that. And then, fellow, yeah, like I said, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 21, 22, 23, all through those years, smoking, drinking, getting into trouble, taking drugs, no money. I was signed on for years and we would just get ticked. We'd, we'd play um, computer games till like four in the morning and then wake up probably two in the afternoon, hit straight on the booze, get it from the offline. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I still look now and I don't get it. I don't get how blessed I am with my life now. I don't get it. I mean, it's like, it's mad. It's not the same. I'm not the same person and it's not the same life. I don't know. It's mental, really. It is amazing how you've managed to turn that around and come out the other side to be really the complete opposite of everything you've described. But it's also down to everything is about relationships. I've talked about this in my book for, for years. So if you have a bad relationship with alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, food, these are all relationship-based. And what they are is 
instead of a person doing it, a substance essentially is mentally and physically abusing you every single day. And what they do is, is that they, again, like many relationships, they slowly but surely undermine your confidence, take away your self-respect, and they make you believe that without them, you can't survive or be happy. That's what all drugs do. That's mm. what all, all the wrong foods do. So they create fear. So the person smoking wants to stop smoking, but they also want to smoke as well. And it's schizophrenia. And the person in a bad relationship, human relationship, is identical. And I observed this years ago with my mom. And I went, do you know what? There's no difference there. So, so my mom got into a horrific relationship with a guy called Ken. And of course, I'll never forget him. I mean, as you don't. This guy would pick me up. I'm a young boy. I was 12, 11, maybe coming to 13. He would pick me up by my skin and punch me in the face while my mom wow. was out to work. This guy was a He would slit his wrist and cover us in blood. Like this guy threatening to commit suicide. This guy was a lunatic, right? I never understood because I thought, we were friends, me and my mom, even from the age of 10, 11, 12. Mm. You know, of course, we were just best, best buds, right? And she was always honest with me. Never hid anything, none of that. And I never said, oh, that's not my dad. I wasn't one of them idiots, right? Because kids that do that, freaking idiots, right? As far as I'm concerned. Like, like shut up. Just shut up, right? You know, your mom needs a life too. Right? Yeah, <laughs> just, just, relax. just relax. Anyways, mm. so this guy would, I didn't understand. My mom's a highly intelligent person, how she was allowing this, how she couldn't get rid of him. But then it took me years to realize that actually it's just a bit like drugs and all addiction transcends logic and intelligence. So it transcends it. So when you're trying to tackle it logically or with intelligence, you haven't got a chance. You haven't got a prayer because actually it transcends that. It's nothing to do with that. It's an invisible prison. And so when you've got people on the outside, like I was saying, why don't you just leave him? And you've got all the friends going, why don't you just leave him? Well, the choice is no longer hers. You cannot have freedom of choice without the freedom to refuse too. And she didn't have the freedom to refuse because what he cleverly did, and that's what drugs do and many people do, is that he slowly but surely and cleverly, looking back, got rid of her friends one by one, all her male friends. And she's highly intelligent. She could have seen stuff coming, but they're clever. Mm. And she did it so subtly, so cunningly, that all of a sudden friends that she'd had for years, like, and he'd make little comments like, oh, well, no, it's just something that he said, but he's probably, you know, but I think he's sponging off you or I think he's doing this or, and just creating a level of distrust and hatred till in the end, the only person left in her life that she could now rely on was him. And so therefore she's fearful of staying in the relationship, but she's more fearful of getting out. Yeah. And, that, and that to me is all it comes down to. Now, of course, w when it comes down to some relationships, there is a genuine fear of getting out because the guy was a freaking lunatic. He even had a gun, right? So this guy was a lunatic in Peckham, right? right? Literally drunk. And he was such a drunk. But he would, the minute he's sober, you see, he would, because the same person knocking you down is the same person that hugs you and brings you yeah. back. So, so it's a very clever trick, right? It's yeah. incorrect. It, it's, I call it a form of Munchausen disease in a way. And well, the government, as we record this, depending on when somebody's listening to it, recording this in 2020. Um, and actually, I believe that all governments are, are guilty of Munchausen syndrome right now. And as we're doing this right now, we're coming up to, uh, coming up to Christmas. This could be going out in another time, but I'm just saying when we're recording it. Uh, and again, the relationship between government and their people, they're meant to be servants of ours. And it's like, oh, we're going to allow you to have five days at Christmas. You're going to allow us? Sorry, hang on, run this by, hang on a second. Well, what do you mean you're going to allow us? Well, that's Munchausen disease. They made everybody believe that they're sick, everybody. They, yep. they, they're walking around as if they're already sick. And then anyway, that's a different relationship. Not going to get into politics. But what I'm saying is, is that that's what this guy did. Now, it took him a long time to get out, finally got out of that relationship. And it took me many years. I've got very few male friends, even to this day. Nice. I, I saw, and I saw not just him, but I saw a few others doing on a lesser extent, but still I considered it evil. And I still to this day consider it evil. And I see men and I know men. Look, everybody manipulates to some extent. What do you think of photograph and Instagram? It's a form of manipulation. What do you think makeup is a form of manipulation? You can argue that about anything to some extent. It's the extent. You know, that's what I have an issue with. It's if you're in the relationship and you know what you're doing, you're getting rid of their friend, you're trying to gain control. You're doing, and you're literally making them so fearful of not being with you. And I hate that. And I hate so how it. How has that changed how you are in a relationship? Well, there's no dependency with either of us. We're free. The point is within a relationship, my key rule, if you will, I'm not an expert on relationships, right? And I find it, um, I find it hard. It, it's so, not only that, but I, I, I think it's almost one of the most intangible ones that you almost can be. It's a, you're in the industry, so you know how ever fluid a movement it is. It's because there's a human factor to it. 
So therefore, you can't. It's hard almost to go. Well, this is how it should be done. I mean, it's all fluid. It's all depends on the people. There's a great line in Goodwill Hunting, which one of my favorite films. It said, "It's not whether you're perfect or she's perfect. It's whether you're perfect together, right? And and yeah. and and imperfectly perfect." So, to give an example, now I'm in Spain. I'll give you an example. We we moved here. We wasn't sure where we were going to move. And actually, I'm I'm I actually live in Portugal. I spend some time here. We have a very unconventional relationship. Very unconventional, right? So in the sense that we have a family house, essentially, right? That's where little JJ is, right? Kate really wanted a child. I didn't. I'm quite frank about that. Now he's here. I love, of yeah, course, of course, I love him. Um, but I would have given Kate anything, anything. She's the the most extraordinary human on earth, right? She just is. I'm, I, 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 I'm, I've been blessed so many times in my life with the women I've known in my life. I've been blessed. I've, 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 I haven't met. I don't know if I've met horrible. I know it sounds weird. I don't know. I've, I've met a few along the way, but they haven't been, I haven't had intimate relationships with them. But everyone I know that I've had intimate relationships with, I've been blessed. I mean, my ex-wife, I wouldn't have a bad word said about her at all because she's a freaking amazing woman. So what is that secret? I know a lot of my listeners will be thinking, well, how do you do that? How do you stay amicable with your ex? And I know you'd known your ex for a long time, hadn't you? I tell you what it was. There was a sliding door moment. And, and this, this was whether it was going to stay amicable or not. And mm-hmm. then I'll come back to the unconventional relationship that I've currently got and how things change. So I was with Ellie. Ellie was my ex-wife, um, which I hate saying because that sounds so negative. It's a weird thing. Ex-wife is a, it's such a, it's like a big statement. Like, <laughs> like instead of just saying, oh, she's my ex-girlfriend, it sounds less, but actually that's all there is. I mean, marriage is only a made up friggin' ceremony made by humans. If children made up, the goal is that sweet. You know, like, you know and, 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 adult, and adults have made up this ceremony and, and applied a meaning to it. And, and they've applied a meaning to all the words surrounding it and how important it is. And and if you're married, you shouldn't, shouldn't do this. Well, you've made up the freaking rules, right? And we, all, <laughs> and, we, and, we all, and we all can make up the rules. So me and Ellie were together, weirdly, for 12 years. Then we got married. And then we were married for nine months. Yeah. And there's a saying, no sooner hitched than ditched. And the reason being, it's my fault. All of it was my fault, right? Because I wasn't ready to give up my freedom, right? In terms of to even be free within a relationship. And that doesn't mean sleeping around. I mean, there's, I'm talking about freedom to be myself. Mm. And so all that happened was, is that as you grow, I think it's astonishing when people are together for any length of time. I mean, it, it's actually astonishing. I mean, it's like, surely it should be the most abnormal thing on earth that somebody survives for 16 years or anything else. Because what, we all meant to move at the same rate. We're all meant to think the same things. We're all meant to have the same hobbies. We're all meant to have the same desires but what every year do we die i mean <laughs> I, I mean it's this very strange model that we hand down but also it's almost like we've got to be monogamous in terms of a relationship for life you know, i think that's, that's what people sign up to for the feeling of security though yeah but they're not but you can go to prison for security that's easy but the point <laughs> is that it does the opposite why do you think more men are more reluctant to get married than women that's just a fact right that's a fact most men are talked into the process. In other words, oh, come on, make an honest woman of her. That's been the terminology for God knows how many years. You don't say, yeah, make, an on- right. you don't say make an honest man of him, right? You just- <laughs> No, you don't. Just fundamentally, you can't make an honest man of any man, right? Because <laughs> that, that's, that's just, which is a terrible thing for me to say as a man. I'm but sure anyway. a lot of my listeners are saying, yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> but, um, so in the relation, so we are expected to be, and I don't mean sexually monogamous. I mean, in a monogamous, you know, you're with this person. You can only love this one person, which is a very, I like to flip things on its head, Sarah. I think it's a very selfish way to go through life. I think it's very selfish if you say, oh, you can only love me. And, you go, and you're really selfish if you physically touch someone else. Well, that's freaking selfish, isn't it? What, there's 7 billion people on this earth, and you're telling me that because I met you when I was 25 years of age, I now am restricted. This is like permanent lockdown. I am now <laughs> restricted from, and I'm not talking about just physical contact. I'm not talking about sexual physical contact. I'm talking about some relationship, and both males and females do this. This isn't, I'm talking from a male perspective, but they all, it, both scenarios do it. But the same thing, this is my theory, the same thing that attracted a person to that person is the very same thing they either consciously or subconsciously want to dull because they're fearful subconsciously of other people now being attracted to you. 
So, so what happens is if you're at a dinner party and you're being jovial and funny and this, that, and the other, and your partner's had a few drinks, then you get back and you think you've had a great night. And then behind closed doors, you were flirting with that girl. You were doing, and you go, what, the, what, have I, what have I done? I was just being myself. That's all I was doing. Now, they're not being unreasonable. It's just that their subconscious has changed. They, they're being protective. They don't want anybody else to have you. They don't want to be you to be attractive to someone else. So they're being protective. And that's males and females do that. And they try and stop the person being who they really want to be. And I just think the key, if you can have any key, and there's no key to any relationship, but you allow your partner to be whoever they want to be. You never, this is my rule number two, right? you mm -hmm. never, ever, ever look at their phone, their emails, their anything else. You never, not once. And if you do, if you lift up a rock, you better expect to find something under it. And that's the fact. Look, why do you think um, Madison Avenue, what were they called? The, the, the site that was shut down, the affair site? I don't even know what they were called, right? Oh, yes. I know the one for dating for... Dating, whatever it was. Married, married people. people. Yeah. Married people. Right? Whatever, Ashley Madison, yeah. Ashley Madison. Millions of people. Millions of people signed up. Does, so does that mean that marriage works then? Right? Millions of people signed up. So what we need to look at is a paradigm shift. I genuinely believe it. Instead of coming in with all these set of rules, and the younger you are, the more rules you have, and the older you get, the less rules you have, because you go, well, actually, I'm willing to compromise those, right? Because <laughs> yeah. otherwise I'm screwed, right? But, but you're so idealistic when you're young. Oh, I'm going to make sure that I'm definitely, no, they must have this, must have that, must have that, and your list gets shorter and shorter. Um, <laughs> the point is this, is that you, freedom is number one. Um, freedom is number one for, 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 for most men that I know in terms of they don't want to be cocooned. They don't want to even the illusion of, of, of being cocooned. Equally, though, those same men, I know a lot of the same men that go, well, I still want to know where my wife is at all times. You're like, we can't have it one way, dude. Look, you either, you either allow people to be themselves on every level. You don't, and if somebody has a conversation or their text goes, you don't immediately ask, them, who was that? Get out of the habit. Don't do it. It might not be, if they want to tell you who it was, they'll tell you who it was. Get out of the habit. Why cause conflict? Why have any degree of anything? Or Look, if my theory is this. If somebody is going to leave you because they've found someone else, they will tell you. Which is the fear, I guess, of why people do all this yeah, but, yeah, but they're going to. Yeah, they but, they, but they're going to tell you. Right. Do you honestly think after 10 years, five years of being with somebody, right? Do you honestly think that it is unreasonable, right? And you're going to say, yes, you think it's unreasonable. But I'll come on to this. <laughs> if they played racquetball one day, right? Now, what I mean by that is this. is racquetball. is physical. So me and Kate, for, for argument's sake, we go, look, I say to Kate, this was almost when I first met her. I said, look, if you play racquetball one day, I don't want to know. So what are we talking about? I said, look, you're out with the girls. You have a few glasses of champagne. We might be 10 years into a relationship, right? And all of a sudden you, you see somebody and they are hot to trot, right? There is a human physical attraction to things. Like there's a, there's a human physical, a human almost necessity to eat. There's a human, in fact, we're not monogamous with anything else in our life. Think about this. You will change your haircut. You will change your makeup. You will change your clothes. You will change where you live. You will change even the microphone that's in front of you right now. Sorry, you'll change that at one point. You'll change your phone. You'll change your, you'll change everything. The only thing that we are asked, the only thing that we've been drummed into our head that we need to be monogamous with is a relationship, right? So, so I was going to write a book called Monogamy, The Cause of All Breakups, <laughs> right? I know, I know, but it's different. The point is, unless we have a paradigm shift now, that doesn't mean, because you're less likely. The weirdest thing is, right? You're less likely. People want to rebel. They want to do something that they're told they can't do, right? You're more likely to have a really long relationship that actually doesn't have these extramarital affairs and everything else, because actually there's a level of, well, but do I really want to? Well, it's all right. Like Kate knows if she did play racquetball one day, and I don't know if she ever has. I've been with her 16 years. I don't know. I have no idea. Because I said to her, don't tell me. And she went, what do you mean, don't tell me? I said, don't tell me. She went, no, surely you want to know. I said, no, I'm not that selfish. She went, no, come on, that's the opposite. What do you mean? I said, no, you want to get it off your chest to make you feel better? No, don't ask a selfish thing. No, 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 no. I said, and what good can come of it? If you're not going to leave me for him and all you did was play racquetball or her, <laughs> if she yeah. leaves me for her, which in Kate's case could be the case. <laughs> right. But if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, then you're gonna tell me because we're friends. We're the best friends on earth. Yeah. You're gonna tell me, we're gonna sit down and have a conversation. Whereas if you play racquetball one night and you've done so once in a year, is it worth breaking everything up for? It's so disproportionate, isn't yeah. it? Or not? 
No, I agree. I do think that giving people certain freedom and, and it comes back to that controlling experience that you were talking about with your mom when she was with that extremely controlling guy, to put it nicely. So, you know, not having any control, going to giving someone complete freedom to do what they like, allows them to be themselves. And I love the concept and I love, I mean, I know how your relationship is. It's awesome and it thrives because you can handle that. But I do know a lot of people would struggle with no, that. I, and I appreciate that. And there's a lot of people that, that would also struggle with the, because look, I'm going to be honest and I'm sure Kate, oh, I hope Kate doesn't mind. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, but look, I'm going to be honest, right? So look, it's what works for you in a relationship, right? So this came up very early on in the relationship and I, I don't think it's, it's, um, I frowned upon any more lifestyle parties. Are they frowned upon anymore? Probably not. Um, I think they're part of everyday life now for a lot of people. Well, I think, I think they are. So the point is, is that if you make an agreement together, like if every now and then once a year or, or once every two years, you decide to scratch the itch and that itch will be to have physical contact with another human, right? For whatever reason, yeah. you know, even for a night. So imagine if you can just go and do it together and you go to a lifestyle party. I mean, what best friends are you going to be? If you talk about it openly and you both, and then now there's a lot of our friends from years ago said, oh, you guys play with fire. You guys do this. You guys do that, right? We're in the longest relationship of anybody I know. Right? Yeah, so when absolutely. You, so, so, and we're close to anybody I know. Everybody, especially during this lockdown, everybody's fallen apart and we just got closer. We just got closer. I say it was unconventional. We got two small houses here rather than one big one. We've made that decision. So I've got a man cave as I'm speaking to you now from. This is where I come to work. That's where I do my, this where I've got my little gym. That's where I do this. But equally, Kate wants her space some nights of the week. I spend two nights away from her. She spends five days and sometimes more because I go to the retreat and whatever. But it also suits her down to the ground because are you telling me that over the years that everybody wants to be in the bedroom and you put the telly on maybe at night? What, you both want to watch the same thing? No, you don't. You both want to listen to the same thing? No. You both want to do this? You want to turn the light off? You want air conditioning on? Well, I don't. You don't want, It's a freaking nightmare. <laughs> Right. And if most people, if people have got their honest heads on, if you've got enough room, the ideal scenario, separate bedrooms, we have got a really small house though. So we don't have a spare bedroom because we didn't know if we were going to live here full time or not. And anyway, long story short. So I, I think separate bedrooms, I think is a perfect thing for a long-term relationship. I don't mean early on. I'm talking three years and above. Yeah. I, th I think anything three years, I don't even think, don't even enter racquetball territory or lifestyle territory. Don't even, don't enter any of that before three or five years. What I'm talking about here is not brand new relationship. Let's be clear about this. <laughs> I'm talking about when you've, you know, essentially when you've had, you know, avocado salad every day for five years and it's beautiful and you love it. But all of a sudden, I don't know, out the blue, you want to be a rebel and have a burger. It's a terrible analogy, right? But if you can both go to the burger joint together, then it's great. And then I, think I love that. I love that. And I love the way that you have such a Probably what most people are thinking, a very different way of thinking about relationships. Well, some of your listeners will hate me. Listen, some of your listeners now will hate me. Right? I get it. I know. And I understand it. But right. actually, for a lot of my listeners, they're coming out of a relationship and looking at why it didn't work. And this could be one of the reasons. It might be resonating with a lot of people out there thinking, well, maybe if I'd had more freedom, it may have worked. And it might be something they want to use moving forward. But, but let me give you an example. The, let me give you an yeah. example. I know you're going to come back. Give me an example, right? So in the Create Magic book, I asked Kate, right? Because she's a prolific magic maker. Um, so is my mom, right? In fact, most of the most prolific magic makers I've ever met in my life, weirdly, not weirdly, but have been women. They tend to be, I don't know, better at it, of the magic making. And they're, they're more thoughtful, I think, generally. And that's not dissing men. I think that's just generally how it is. Anyway, so I said, can I put this in the book, in the relationship chapter, create magic in a relationship? So I have a relationship chapter, which I quantify at the beginning saying, I'm not an expert. Don't even come, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this is <laughs> whatever. But I said, well, I've been together 16 years and my previous relationship, we were together 13 years. There's something going on. It's all right, you know. So, so I said, can I put this in the relationship? So okay, we had a child. We went through six rounds of IVF. Uh, anyway, she was told once JJ finally took hold, uh, which we couldn't believe, that um, uh, for three months. So then, of course, she was so nervous. And I don't blame her. She was 40 at the time, I think. Um, and or 39, whatever it was when she conceived JJ, that she just thought, I'm not doing anything to risk uh, JJ, being born. JJ mm. being born. So she said, I'm not flying. And then somebody said to her, right, fine. Okay, no, no flying, whatever. But you can't have sex for three months either. So then she took it upon herself and said, well, I'm not going to have sex at all then. Right? Wow. For nine months. Now, this, I haven't heard that one. No? Well, they said, I know. Listen, I hadn't heard that at all, right? But it, does, okay. but, it, but it doesn't matter. It was just like, she just heard it. She heard any, listen, when you're that desperate for a child, and I now know why she was, because other than my mother, 
She's the most extraordinary mother I have ever witnessed from an outside perspective. It, it, it is, I'm not an outside perspective, but she is the primary carer. There's no question mm. uh, about this. And she's just brilliant uh, at it. So she didn't want to do anything. So, But she's so amazing. This is the point about, can you create magic within a relationship? She went, so I'm not going to have sex for nine months. She goes, but it's a bit selfish for me to expect you not to. Now, what other person would say that? No? Wow. No, it, not many that, that I know. There aren't many that would know. She said, look, she just said, it's like telling you not to eat for nine months. It's not fair. I'm actually cool with it. I said, look, we're going through a, a kind of thing a year. I'm not, I'm not going to go out and start looking for someone. I said, you're so sweet. And I, I said, more than sweet. I said, that's incredible. So I kind of ignored it, really. And just we carried on. And she went through a bad, um, I think it was the middle trimester. It was, was pretty horrific and stuff. So, you know, that was the last thing on my mind, right? But what mm. she did towards Christmas, which was um, in her final trimester, is that we went to, she took me up the Shard. That's a place in London, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for clarifying. I just want to say, it's the Shangri-La Hotel above the Shard, uh, the best views of London. It's incredible. Anyway, she's got this beautiful room, the bath. You could just see all of London. It was a crystal clear evening. It was just one of those. And I said, this is amazing. This is lovely. And we went to see a show in London, and we weren't living in London at the time. And it was all like, this is amazing. And she went, oh, and uh, Jessica's going to come and see you in an hour. And I went, whoa, 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 what did you just say? She went, yeah, I'm going to go up on and look at the views and uh, I'm going to read a book and I've got you a one and a half hour genuine tantric massage. And I went, what? I said, wow. are you kidding me? And it was an, a genuine tantra. She wasn't quote, quote unquote, a, a escort or a hooker or anything. She was a tantra, tantra expert. But of course, there's something that happens at the end. We all know that, right? So, so the point- And that, that doesn't change the dynamic of your relationship or how she feels. There's no insecurity. because I think a lot of people are thinking, but I couldn't cope with yeah, that. But I, yeah, but I got hurt years ago. I thought I'd create magic for her. And what I did is I, I was cooking up top in this place that I had and everything else. And I said, all you need to do, I said, right, you're just going to lie down, blindfold on, this, that, and the other. I said, I'm going to light candles, incense, this, that, and the other. You've got to get in the bath. You've got to drink a little bit of champagne. You've got to do this. So just create this lovely little atmosphere for her. And I said, and then at some point, you, somebody's going to come in and give you a massage, if that's fine. So I'm cooking upstairs, and I just got these two women to give a tantric massage to her, um, a four-handed tantric massage, whatever. And, and it was like for two hours, and then I didn't go down. It wasn't about me. This wasn't about me. This was about her. So then she come up, and she just went, you're amazing. This is incredible. Who does this? And she said, are you all right with this? I said, of course I'm all right with this. I said, do you love them? Are you going to text them? Are you going to, of course, <laughs> exactly. And the same with the tantric massage that she got me. Am I going to text her? No. Am I going to form a relationship with her? No. And that's the real fear, isn't it? Surely. So surely, yeah, I think there will be. So surely aren't you better off? Like if Kate said, because we're all different. And if Kate was highly sexed, for argument's sake, and said, look, I, I've just got the, that's who I am as a person. And she said, look, do you mind if I go off every now and then to have a tantric massage? I'd say no, I don't care. Because so it could be the secret to a successful relationship then. Tantric massage, lifestyle Honestly, parties, you, and I, you complete joke. freedom. But it depends on two humans. If you've got, for example, if you've got Trevor, I mean, you all got a picture of Trevor, right? I mean, Trevor never goes to a lifestyle party. I mean, everybody, <laughs> I mean, let's make facts. I honestly believe you become your name. I honestly do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, li listen, right. Somebody said, JJ, your little kid. What's JJ short for? I said, because his dad is. It's the best joke on earth. <laughs> All right, and then and then there's dyslexic spelling issue. Correct, because yep. they say, how, "How do you spell JJ?" I go, "You're thick." It's J and J. It's just freaking just two J's, right? That's all it is. You've made it easy for yourself. You've made it easy for yourself, and I also call JJ JJ, right? Because it's JJ. Now, look, if, if there's two parties going on, if we're honest, two parties going on on a Saturday mm -hmm. night, right? And he's 18, and they're going, "JJ's having a party on the beach." And you go, "Freaking who else is having a party?" Trevor. I'll skip it, right? So you're going to skip Trevor's party, aren't you? Because he's called Trevor, right? But you're going to go to JJ because JJ sounds like fun, right? Like I've never <laughs> met, like, like I've never met a poor Richard. I'll be honest. Like, listen, Richard Desmond, Richard Parks, right? Richard Branson, Richard, you know, one owns Global Radio, one owns Virgin Radio. I've never met a poor Richard, right? Yeah, I think you become your name. So there are some people that wouldn't do. What we it works for us. That's the point. Anybody listening going, oh well, I wouldn't want to do that. Well, then don't do it. I mean, it's fine. I mean, like, like I'm not asking anybody to do it. I'm just saying there are some times I think where you ask questions. If you're really good friends with your, isn't that the point? You're you're more friends than lovers. You have to be. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to have sex 24 hours a day? No, no one is right. 
So, you know, sex takes up a very small percentage of anybody's week, really, if you really analyze it. True, right? yes. Really, right? So therefore, your friendship is the single most important thing, right? And you've got to be on the same page. If you were in a relationship with someone who didn't have those beliefs, then that Correct. would cause friction and tension. It wouldn't work. If it means that much to you, whatever that thing is, you have to communicate. And if that person is the opposite, doesn't mean anything. It just means you're not perfect for each other. It means you don't then think that you will be able to curb this or all of a sudden you can go, well, I'll tell you what, do I just have a ton of affairs? No. Is there a way that you can just have a conversation with somebody and say, look, this is important to me in a relationship. Might not be important to you or you might not be able to get your head around it. But have the conversation. I think yeah, it's, I think, like it's important for some people. To, and there's always compromise. It sounds like me and Kate don't compromise. Of course, massively. We both compromise. Although any relationship you compromise, what degree are you willing to compromise? Your own- Before it becomes a sacrifice. Before it's your own life. You know, that actually you go, I've got more past than future now. It becomes more important to sing your truth. It becomes more important to not worry about what other people may think of your, the type of relationship you have or don't have or whatever. They couldn't give a rat's ass because at the end of the day, does our relationship work for us? Is JJ growing up in a loving relationship? Absolutely. Couldn't be more loving if he tried, right? So that's how yeah. it is. And it sounds like, I mean, there's a, oh, they, they're just lifestyle. But they, no, I mean, I think last time I went to a lifestyle party was about five years ago. Let's put this in perspective. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking about if the itch ever comes, you have a conversation. You don't go to that Ashley Madison website. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Communication, obviously key, really important. And if you're on the same page, I think it sounds awesome. You have a chat, think, but yeah. just don't look at your partner's phone, man. Don't look <laughs> at your partner's phone. Advice. Would you read their mail? Back in the day, before phones, before email, there was real mail, right? <laughs> anyway, and it was a strict <laughs> thing. My mom taught me if a letter comes addressed to someone, you never open that letter. Mm. In fact, they made it illegal. It was illegal. It was the Queen's mail. Because that's the thing, it's the royal mail. So it was the queen was delivering. So it had a royal stamp on it. And if you open somebody else's letter, it is illegal. End of story. It hasn't got your name on it. So wow. you're not allowed to open it. The same rules haven't been applied to your phone. <laughs> no, right? they haven't. But a lot of us put information out there anyway, don't we? So it's out there for everyone to see. Of course so it is. Of course. I think we're a lot more liberal now than we, than we ever were. I think people in relationships are a bit more liberal than they were. I think they understand that some compromise along the way has to be made. I think they're realizing that friendship comes first. I think they're realizing that, you know, do we play chess together some nights instead of just watching telly? Do we do this? Do we do, you know what I mean? How compatible are we? I don't expect one person to be your everything, right? God, I mean, I mean, God, the pressure on the poor person, if they are, right? So don't do that to someone. That's an awful thing to do because they have to then be your sports person, your chess person, your backgammon person. They have to be your therapist. They have to be your cook. They have to be your this. They have to be that. I mean, no human can be the everything for one person. Exactly. We don't have one friend for everything. We have lots of different friends for different situations, right? Well, yeah. I mean, if you followed that all the way through, I was going to get really crude then. Go, well, I've, I've got, I've got this relationship for this kind of sexual position, and, I've got this. <laughs> and, and in fact, she's into this, and I'm into that, and she's not. So actually, I, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, if you followed that all the way through, Sarah, then you could. Well, I mean, you can have a lot of fun. I mean, there are people screaming at this podcast. Oh, I'm sure, now. they are. They I did want to ask you. I did want to ask you, Jason, because it's obviously your retreats are all about health, and I know from a lot of people that are going through breakups that people turn to food and drink to cope as coping mechanisms. Now I'm yeah. sure you see this and I'm interested to, if someone is doing that, you know, drinking more wine in a night, maybe, you know, one glass they had usually and now they're drinking a bottle or they're turning to eating a lot more or even the divorce diet where you don't eat at all. You know, what's your advice from seeing this with your clients and people that come to your retreats? How do well, you, you help do, people get well, all they've done, Well, all they've done is they've traded one bad relationship for another. That's all they've done. They're trying to fill mm. a void created by one bad relationship and they've just jumped into another um, with the same psychology attached. So they hate themselves after they've eaten. They hate themselves that they're still with them. You know, that's ice cream and Jaffa cakes or whatever. Uh, and the same can be with wine or they, the next day they vow they're never going to drink again and boom, that night they're, they're doing it again. It's too complex. So what we do at the retreats is that we don't do therapy at the retreats. We allow the space to do the work. So all the, so instead of everybody sitting around, you know, like an AA meeting or whatever the case is, there's enough places for all that. We don't do that. So we allow this. What we do, we do a morning talk. And we allow the space to do the work and we allow the books and the documentaries and everything else. And then we know that come a week later, one week, that actually, because we know that people will be detoxing 
uh, withdrawing essentially from loads of stuff. And we go, and then we always say at the big opening talk, we don't know what's going on in your life. And chances are, we probably are not going to know. Some of you will voice it in this morning talk, some of you won't, but we don't need to know. You know, the point is, is that you're going to find after being in this space for seven days that the clarity comes back. You know, the muzzy head comes back and, and you're, in a, you're in a stronger position to make the right choices. And that's all it comes down to. Because at the moment, if you're turning up, especially after lockdown, people turned up. And of course, even the ones that would normally not drink that much or whatever, even if their relationship lasted, most people turn to alcohol. Most people turn to overeating. Most people turn to overwatching television. And that's not a diss on them because that's what most people did. And, and, and I don't blame them because what else was there? Right. So that's what yeah. you did. Right. However, they come to the retreat and they went, do you know what? I've had enough. And actually lockdown season two, as I call it, um, <laughs> the, the, the lockdown season two, people did the opposite. Now they went, do you know, what? I'm not doing the same as I did in season one. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever. And a lot of people have, uh, have treated it very, very differently than season one. So those that are coming out of any bad breakup, which we all will do, unless you're one of the rare 0.1% of humans on earth, and it's happening less and less. Uh, you know, our grandparents were together and so on and so forth. But the reason why it's happening less and less is that we're in a we're in a very instant gratification world. And it's not anybody's fault, but there's too much choice. So, you know, how many times you've been on Netflix? You know, we used to walk into a video store and we used to yeah. walk up and down and we used to walk up and down and, and you go, well, which film are you can have? And then you get out three because it was a special price, three for 10 quid. And then you get fined if you didn't bring it back. It, it was a decision that you had to make. It wasn't easy. Uh, Netflix, you, you start one thing, you go, oh, it's all right. All right. It took these people two years to make it. A whole script of this that, and the other. And we literally, we're so dismissive of often brilliance. Well, it was all right. But compared to The Crown, we're so spoiled. We're spoiled with everything. So, so the point is we can have instant gratification wherever. With the internet, we can have instant gratification with porn if we want it. We've got instant gratification with, uh, look at all these dating apps. I've never been on dating yeah. app in my entire life. Well, why would I be? Uh -huh. they, came out, they came out after, obviously, I've, been, I've had a long-term relationship. So, so why would yeah. I be on them? Although Kate did join Tinder once, which I did say to her, what are you doing? She went, oh, just to see what these are about. Really? And then, and then, and then I didn't ask any more questions because why would I? Because I didn't. Um, that's it. That was about as much as she wanted to volunteer. And that's all I'm going to ask. And that's the end of it. Um, Good for you. I know one thing that I totally associate with you is fun. Like you are the master of having fun. I know that when I've been at your retreats, it's volleyball, dodgeball, it's kinky, Ultra brain massages. Ultra oh, I don't know that one. Ultra Ball. It's a game I just, I've invented. It's called Ultra Ball. Oh, wow. It's a combination of every ball game there is. Oh, I'm building the first purpose-built Ultra Ball court in the new retreat in the Algarve. Oh, don't really, it's going to become an Olympic sport. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's all about fun. Life is all about fun. And that's the point you see. Like in Spain, everybody has to wear masks inside and outside as we're doing this podcast. You dehumanize people. You don't know people are smiling. You don't know what's going on. It's ridiculous, right? It's so harmful on, on every level. And during this pandemic in particular, the very second, you're not allowed to smile. Oh my God. You're not allowed to actually have any fun. It's ridiculous, right? It's like if you have fun, what people associate with it is they have a stupid meaning. If you smile and have fun, it means you don't care. Well, you just made that up. <laughs> no, I mean, you just made up a load of crap. No, fun. It's quite hard to, to have fun, I think. I think. A lot of people, when they're going through a breakup, lose that spark or lose that fun. So I'm interested in yeah, how you, you find a relationship. So what you, yeah, but what you do is you look at what you go, right, this has gone to shit, right? I know I'm going to feel like crap and have a void for the next three weeks to a month is going to be really bad, providing you don't try and fill the void. You try and fill it with food, alcohol, it's going to last a lot longer. The key is you don't try and fill the void. And you don't sit in moping either. What you do is you go, right, I need adventure from day one. I need to do something I haven't done in years. Now, I know it's harder during lockdown, clearly. But you find stuff. You go, right, I just got to get into, into adventure mode. And even while you're having the adventure, you might be crying your freaking eyes out. But you need distraction. You need to go, I need to do stuff I have never done. And some people get very resentful. That person just stole 20 years of my life, right? And they get, yeah. very, and they get very angry about it, right? Uh, and essentially go, well, they didn't steal it, did they? Right? They didn't steal it. Oh, people, they wasted that amount of time with that person. They wasted that. And they're annoyed with themselves more than anybody else. Because you are. Mm -hmm. You're mad with yourself. You go, forget. now they were manipulated. And in a way, it wasn't their fault because it's like addiction. So I get it. And no wonder they're angry. You're coming out of a breakup with your philosophy on life, which I love. What would be your one piece of advice? I told you, adventure. Listening? You need to go and find adventure. You need to go, I'm worthy of more than whatever it is. I don't care what it is. This is if you accept that it's over. Because that's the hard part first. Mm. The hard part. And getting you, to that point. Getting to that point is quite tricky. 
you've got to accept it because otherwise you're going to keep fighting to try and get it. My ex-wife was fighting for a long, long time afterwards. You know, I was the one that, you, you know, you said right at the beginning of this, and we'll come back in the loop as we wrap up here, is, you know, you, you said, how come it's amicable between you and your ex-wife? And, we, and by the way, if you listen, we was always going to come back to that thread. We hadn't forgotten. And uh, <laughs> it literally was one morning, right? I was at my office uh, in Birmingham and there was only me and Nina working together. I, I mean, I literally, I just started, I was still doing paint and decorating all kinds of stuff. And um, Ellie, uh, we'd, we'd split up. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. To split up with somebody that you hate must be hard. To split up with somebody you still love is horrific. Yeah. It's horrific. I mean, because then people say, why did you do it? It was only because there were certain areas that we were no longer compatible with. That was all it was. No more, no less. And all I felt was I was compromising heavily with who I was. That wasn't her fault at all. And it was just, we reached that point. That's all it was. Funniest woman you'll ever meet in your entire life. We would go to bed every night and laugh for an hour before we slept for 13 years. That never changed. So we said, well, why did you, you know, people can't get their head around. So it was really hard because she really wanted a baby she, and she was 35. And I really didn't. I really didn't. I like, I like, not even slightly. I really didn't. Freedom's my number one thing. So that was against everything. And of course, everybody I saw with children, like my, my dad, I never had a dad. I saw, my nan got married three times. My, I mean, relationships to me, they, they came and went. That's what they went, including... You know, and I thought, well, why would I have a son? And also when my mom died, and even after that, I thought I'm definitely not having a kid because I thought, why would I put my kid through this? Wow. I know it's a terrible thing to think. I thought, why would I have a child knowing that at some point I'm going to die and he's going to feel what I'm feeling now? Why would I do that to anyone? Which is a ridiculous thing to think. But when you're so cut up with your mom dying, that's where my brain was at the time. But pre that, because my mom was still very much alive and well with it when Ellie was around. Anyway, so her friends had got to her. They poisoned her, right? Her friends had... You know, all men are evil, right? They didn't realize uh, he was, he's a bastard. He shouldn't have left you. What's going on? And I didn't leave her for someone else. I didn't do, anyway, so they're all, all going mad. She sends a solicitor's letter to my mm. office, right? And, Ooh, and, I, and, I, one. and I saw this. And, and this was the biggest sliding door moment. And I saw this letter because Nina said, oh, this looks important. And I went, this is from a solicitor in Birmingham. I'd look at this and I thought, this better not be what I think it is. And literally at the same time I picked it up, and this is no exaggeration, phone rings, my phone rings. It was Ellie. She said, please, please, please. I don't know if you've had this letter yet. I don't, there's a letter coming from the, the solicitor. Please don't even read it. Tear it up. Go in the bin. I was forced by my friends. I was forced by my work colleagues. They were all then. And they said, you've got to take him to the cleaners. You've got to do this, that, and the other. And she just went, I don't know where my head's at. Please just tear it up. Promise me you'll never read it. So I, went, I said, it's actually in my hand. She went, please don't read it. And I genuinely, I tore it up, threw it in the bin while she was on the phone. I said, I said, now, I said, you can have anything you want. And that was only because she knew me and it wouldn't work in every relationship, but she knew yeah. me. And so what I hated about this Alyssa's letter is, you, you really don't know me after 13 years to think that I would fight anything or not give you anything. Do you mm. not know me? That's what annoyed me. And so we got divorced online, 65 pounds. Right. So we got divorced. Wow, that is brilliant. So we got divorced online and we made the agreement that obviously we needed to stay married for two years, obviously, because that's what you need to do to be able to just do that. Right. So we stayed married for two years. And then we went through the process of uh, getting divorced. We, neither of us really wanted, I, didn't, I wouldn't even mind it at times. So I don't know why I was like, it's only a word. It doesn't really mean that, you know, if it, if it means more to you than me, you know, whenever she's needed help, whenever. I mean, I don't blink. I don't even mm. blink to this day, I wouldn't blink. Still, the very few humans on earth, because you get less and less humans in your world that you genuinely would do anything for the older you get. You know, your 20th yeah. birthday party, look how many people turned up. And that's because they weren't, you thought they were friends, but life teaches you that one by one, people let you down. And you see their true colors shining through, as we said, and, and you have quality, not quantity. And I don't think there's anything wrong And you with often that. lose friends during breakups too. Well, you do. Well, actually, yeah, I suppose you do. I mean, me and Ellie... Kind of did, but I, I mean, to be fair, I wasn't really friends with most of her friends, to be honest. So, um, <laughs> so, so I, didn't, I didn't really lose that. But Ellie didn't lose any of the friends from my side because, A, there was none of this, there wasn't a fight. Mm. This, this hatred. I mean, she went through a hatred of what happened, not of me. And that was what something that I needed to not misconstrue. 
that's an interesting distinction, actually. Do you know what I mean? Because I did... think a lot of people do that. Yeah, I think they do. And, and, and I knew her anger. And, it, and I can understand her anger. And, and she's, she's, even to this day, she still isn't fully, isn't fully over the, the whole situation, what happened. And, and I kind of get it because, you know, I've been very lucky to, I, I think, to meet two soulmates in mind. I've just been really lucky. I've had two long-term relationships, incredibly long-term relationships with two magnificent women. I mean, I'm blessed. So there's a lot of people out there that are nowhere near, well, they're not blessed. I've just been blessed. Or is it because of the rules of engagement that we hand out uh, that we talk? So we, you know, why is it not like a contract in a way, not a contract, but you, every year, why don't you check in? Why don't you yeah. check in? Why don't you have a check in? I think a lot of people don't know what happiness means to them. I think that is a big thing. People are sort of stumbling through life and they go through a heartbreak and then they get stuck because they haven't actually sat and thought, well, what do I want my life to look like? Yeah. How do I want it to be? And and listening to this episode, I think it's going to be fascinating because it's giving people a whole other way of thinking about how potential future relationships could actually work. So but they also want I guess, other people to make them happy, you see. Sorry. That's the point. The problem is they go, they say silly things like, if you love me, you would, right? We'll never say that. It's ridiculous, right? You can finish that sentence. <laughs> For anything. It's a bit like somebody coming home. It's a bit like somebody coming home. Like Kate does it sometimes and I joke with her. She goes, Oh, guess what? I nearly got you today. I said, Well, you could say anything. Ferrari. You can say anything after that, can't you? <laughs> guess what freaking nearly got you? I mean, nearly got me means freaking nothing, does it? Guess what I nearly did for you? Well, I'm sorry, you can't dine out on that unless you actually got it. Then it <laughs> I think um, it's I, important to know what you want though, isn't it? So what is happiness for you? How would you describe that? It changes every day, doesn't it? Happiness really is having the freedom to do what you want when you want. And I think most people would agree with that. And most people don't have it. And I don't have it fully because nobody has it fully, I don't think. I think because there's always going to be an element of compromise. If you're in a business, there's an element of compromise. If you're in a relationship, there's an element of compromise. But that compromise, as long as that compromise is actually, you are more than happy with that level of compromise considering all the other happiness that you get the majority of the time. But if you're always happy, you can't be because you don't know what sadness is. There are, there are four emotions in life and, and a phone call can change them. I say to people, look, you can be having a summer day and a winter phone call comes in. Nothing you can do about it. It's a winter phone mm-hmm. call. Expect the winter to turn up. Winter will come up. You know, you, humans that you thought was going to do this and all of a sudden they, they have a winter moment. Uh, spring will turn up. You can have the worst winter day on earth and then you have a summer phone call like you've never had and you're running around smiling. I mean, happiness is different for everybody, obviously. A piece of music can make you happy. A music can make you happy, this, that, and the other. But it's knowing that if you try and be happy all the time, you're fucked because you can't be. You know, and as cliched as it is, you know, winter doesn't come without summer. And that's the point. You need the four seasons of emotions. Otherwise, you ultimately end up an android with no emotions. So don't fight for this desire to be happy or achieving all the time. Mm, you know what I mean? Well, sometimes I think it's almost like a disease. If Tony Robbins, for example, who I, I greatly admire and have admired for many, many years. In fact, we met 25 we years did. ago at an event with, with Tony. We wouldn't even know each other without um, that remarkable man. But after watching his mm. documentary, I, Jan, I spoke to a few people about that. And I'm not saying I feel sorry for him doing that stupid thing. I had a different perspective of him for the first time ever. And that was it did, it did appear. And, and I think it's almost like a disease for him. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's, it's helped. Tons of people, and he still continues to do so. But I think unless he believes he is achieving all the time, I mean, all the time, unless in a cryo chamber one minute, unless doing this, if there's any dead time, I could be wrong. I don't know. I've met him a few times, but I don't know him. I could be wrong. I'd love to have him on my podcast and chew the fat and actually talk to him about this because does he feel that, he, that that's a persona he has to give or is he actually like that? I think he actually is like that. But the point is, I would find that so exhausting. To have yeah. to be on it all the what you people say, oh Jace, you're always you know, you're always running. No, I'm not. I'm not. In the winter, sometimes I'll have what the dark dog will come to say hello. And the dark dog comes to every household. And when the dark dog comes, you don't know why the dark dogs come. I get into my bed. I want to pull the duvet over myself. I want to just eat a little bit of crap. I want to watch Netflix. And and that's what I want to do. And it can last two days. And it just happens. I don't beat myself up. It happens. The dark dog yeah. has come. I don't want him to live there. But he's there. And you don't yeah, know why. And you've got to accept that as part of life. You don't know why. How many, t- how many times do you don't know why? I mean, sometimes you genuinely, with a relationship, you can see why. But sometimes you just don't know why. And you start questioning. In fact, actually, the more you have going for you, the more confusing it is. Because then you go, well, I've got nothing to be upset about. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yet you are, because your biochemistry changes. 
jokes to me. She goes, oh, you're on your period, eh? And she genuinely <laughs> believes that men's biochemistry changes at least once a month. And I think it does, depending on the moon or anything else. Now, I know that women, you know, Luna, <laughs> lunatics, I'm not calling women lunatics. I'm saying <laughs> Luna. I'm saying, <laughs> I know, and I'm saying that that's why, that's why the Luna, we know it changed. We know moods change through the moon. We know that. But I think now what's being realized is that actually, I think feminine traits are, and, and I've got so many feminine traits. I don't think I've got any testosterone. I was only brought up around women, right? I was, that's all I was. I, was, I, don't, I don't like that many men, if I'm honest. I don't have many male friends. I, I, you know, I was only around women all the time. I learned to iron. I didn't learn to put up a shelf, right? That's how, <laughs> Kate puts up the shelves. I do the ironing. Right? <laughs> right? Well. I, Kate hates well, maybe ironing. that's I, another reason why you know you've well, got Kate hate, oh, I don't know what Kate hates ironing is. I just I love it. I think it's therapeutic. I quite I've seen the creases with the steam just go out. It's quite nice. I love how fame and money has not changed you. You still do your <laughs> own ironing. You live in a house with one bedroom. I just love that. About well, that's, you. well, that's well. So, listen. Don't get me wrong. Look, my retreat is ridiculously large, right? But I mean, the point is, is that like I I drive a little Fiat five hundred a Bath. I got a little <laughs> orange Vespa, right? <laughs> No, hang on, a Fiat 500, a bath. Let's be clear, right? I'm, I'm in touch with my feminine side, but it's not a normal Fiat 500. It's got a Ferrari engine. Just be clear. I, I remember the first time I met up with you in the UK, you turned up in, was it a car called a Cappuccino, was it? Cappuccino, I mean, it was so, a little Suzuki It was Cappuccino. so small, I had my knees up under my chin to get it's, in next yeah, it's, to you. It was it's, really... the, it's the world's small. I like anything that's a bit diddy, right? I like every because I'm quite small. So I like little diddy things, right? So I don't require a big house because I just think, I like a little house, which is great. It saves you a fortune. I love that about you, though. So down to earth. Nothing changes you. You've got great always, take on life. I'll always go large, though, when it comes to the retreats. Because these mm. are for other people. So I go, and these are my playgrounds. So I'll go large with those. I don't get me wrong. We lived in a house in Oxford. And, you know, it was one of those grand design houses. Don't get me wrong. I've done it. And we did it for three years. And I went through that buying an Aston Martin. I had the Aston Martin for six weeks. And I hated it, right? Absolutely hated it. And I said to Kate, I don't like it. I'm going to buy an Audi, right? So, and I just hated it. I, I, I didn't like the ostentatiousness of it. I didn't like, I didn't like getting in it and being looked at. I, didn't, I, I don't know. I didn't like it. I didn't like the car. I didn't like almost what it represented. I'm not saying it's wrong for, to have these kind of cars. Some people love them and it's brilliant and they're great. I don't know. I just didn't like it personally. And then we had the house. It was on a golf course. I don't even like golf. Stupid game. <laughs> and we had a glass house, right? Is it called a German hoof house? Mm. on the edge of a golf course. Don't do that. Don't build a glass house. <laughs> anyway, the point is we had a swimming pool. We had an outside sauna. We had a gym. We had four beds. We had all that, right? We did all that. We did the thing. And again, if you think that anything like that's going to make you happy, if you think that that's, it's not what it, in fact, it's worse. It's just, that it just there's the more empty rooms to look after. It's all that happens there. Yeah. Right? So a lot of people going through breakups lose their homes because you have to downsize, you have to split everything. And people, I, I see a lot of people worrying, oh, I'm going to lose the house. I'm going to have to go to a smaller house. <sighs> best, best thing they'll ever do. Best thing they'll ever do because you only live in your front room and kitchen, right? That's it. And then you got Absolutely. And in fact, when, when you watch Cribs, right? Cribs did it for me on MTV years ago. And when you watch Cribs, I always remember watching these big houses. They've got basketball courts in the house. They've got all these big celebrity houses going crazy. And then always, I would say 90% of the time, but my favorite room is this. And it was always a snug. It was always a little yeah. snug. You could just, it was the smallest room in the house. Yeah. <laughs> And in fact, houses are now, it's going full circle because this big echoey chamber, soulless, kind of very noughties, uh, year 2000 build is going out of fashion now. And homeliness is coming back in. Cute little spaces are coming back in because people are realizing actually cozy works. And, you know, actually big, ostentatious, well, there's just more glass to clean. There's just, <laughs> there's just That's very you true. know what I mean? The bigger your wardrobe, the more ironing. Think it through, people. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like just... On that note, JC, I love you. You're oh, amazing. I love you too, baby. I love you. There's absolutely... going to be a lot of people now that don't love me anymore. But they... <laughs> <laughs> you might have to have a word with Kate. Yeah, or, 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 or I might get a lot more private message on Insta now. I mean, who knows? Well, you never know. I mean, you never know. But it could, thank it could go you. Way, it's been it? could enlightening. Go and I love everything you've said. Thank you so much. I'm sure we've got everyone's got so much out. Whether they agree or disagree, it's been entertaining. Thank so you thank very much. You I really appreciate us. I really appreciate you having me uh, on and being able to talk about the two most incredible long relationship women in my entire life, and uh, and of course my mother. So my three hero women, I would say. Aww. 
Um, so Love thank it. you. Yeah, thanks for that getting opportunity. I'll never do this kind of thing again. I'll never talk about this with anybody else ever again. I'm already <laughs> fucked after this. So, uh, <laughs> and on that note, well, I appreciate let's move it. on. Let's move on. Let's do Steve right in the afternoon. Let's have a fun. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review in iTunes will win the chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day, including exclusive one-on-one coaching with Sara Davison herself. Be sure to head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Sara's gift. Then join us on the next episode.